0: Hey, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the pastor here. And on behalf of my wife, Jessica, and the rest of our team, we're so glad that you're with us today. If that's your lotto number, you win today. You can pick up a free child. uh, Those are giving those away today as well. But uh, on behalf of my wife, Jessica, the rest of our team, we're so grateful uh, that you're with us today. If you're watching online, grateful that you joined us. If it's YouTube or Facebook, however you may be watching, making this a priority, we're grateful that you are with us. If you are on Facebook, I want to let you know you can use the chat section today. You can leave a comment. Let us know that you're watching. Help me preach a sermon. We'd be grateful if you did that. But I want to just say thank you to everybody who's a part of today. Specifically, if it's your first time today, I want to let you know that we prepared a gift for you. So just down the hallway past the coffee bar, our first time guest booth is back there and some of our lead team would love to say, hey, answer any questions you have and get you your gift. We're just honored that you chose to be with us today. And uh, we'd love to see you back there at the end of service. Uh, Our series graphic here is how to avoid the summer time spiritual slump, and uh, we've been hitting this all summer long. And you know it's so true, it's so real that like all the crazy things of summer just have a way of getting off off schedule, off kind of routine. And uh, kids are staying up late, they're eating candy, we're having fires, all this different stuff is going on. But this how to avoid spiritual slump is so important. It's bigger than just a catchphrase or sort of a summer idea. You know, many times even Paul and his writings to the churches were basically this. He was saying, hey. Um, be careful. Watch out that you're not falling into lukewarmness or spiritual slump because like we need your momentum in the kingdom. Yeah. I understand summer and busyness and camping and vacations. And if you're away, I, like it's important that you do all those things. Those things matter, but that's different than getting in a slump. Because if you get in a slump, all of a sudden that becomes the new normal. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And so we've got to be diligent. We've got to be on it. Uh, to make sure we're committed and in the house and bringing our passion and bringing our best so that we don't fall into a new bad rhythm because a lot is on the line. I'm not trying to name drop right now, but uh, yesterday we were at uh, Michigan's running backs, uh, Blake Corum. He held a little football camp in East Kentwood. And so I took my son out there. Those of you don't know Blake Corum, he should have until he got hurt uh, been at one of the Heisman Trophy Award finalists. He should have been there. He's got a great chance to do it again this year, but certainly would have been a number one draft pick in the NFL and just a lot of sort of fanfare around him. And so he's there yesterday speaking in front of the kids. And so he's got all the 400 camper uh, kids all around him. And so they ask him, they say, Blake, you know, what makes you great? What makes somebody great in sports? And, you know, all these achievements, you've won all these awards, you have all this prestige around your career. What makes you great? And he doesn't say to the kids, like, oh, you got to learn this spin move, or you got to figure out how to do this kind of stiff arm, or, or do this, and do that. He says it comes down to one thing. He said dedication. You want to be great? you got to be dedicated. Actually, I, I really loved it, because this is truly what he told all of the, uh, basically, like, 12th graders and under. He said, you want to be great? He said, every morning you get up, make your bed. <laughs> he told all the kids to make their bed. So now every day I'm going to be like, guys, mom didn't say it, I didn't say it, Blake said. Make your bed. <laughs> But he was trying to get the kids to say, it's dedication. There's no secret sauce to this. It's just somebody who has desire and commitment and passion. And how many of you know we should have that in the kingdom? Yeah. And so Paul's saying like, hey, there's a lot on the line. Don't let yourself fall into lukewarmness. Now for Paul, as he's writing to all these different churches and all these different letters, Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, now they're facing persecution. They're facing like real things. In America, it's hilarious how we think we're under some kind of persecution. Well, it's hard to go to church. It's hard to follow God because CNN is mean. Right, we think we're in some kind of persecution. The only persecution we're under as Christians is the own our own pace we put on ourselves. This summertime, this pace, this life that we're trying to keep. I got this is name dropping now, but I was sitting at a restaurant with the personal security guard for Dave Matthews. Okay, you can all laugh at that part. He used to be Celine Dion's personal security guard. Now, if you're watching, Nick, love you. You're my guy. I'll see you on the road soon. But listen, this guy. he's not a preacher. I wasn't at a leadership conference and he's over here saying to me, you know what's wrong with the world? He calls me preacher man. You know what's wrong with the world, preacher man? Let me tell you what's wrong with the world. He's like, it's pace. Everybody wakes up and they get on their phone. They get on their TV. This is what he told me to do. I might make it into a sermon. He said, the first thing you need to do when you get up and and wake up, he didn't say what Blake said. He didn't say make your bed. He said, this is what you need to do. He said, you need to talk to your pet. You need to talk to your plants before you do anything. (laughs) Take some time and get up. But what he was trying to say. As he was trying to say, you need to get up. You need to have pace. People are in way too much of a pace. Now, how many you know? And I said back to him, I said, hey, I didn't call him preacher man. I call him security man. I said, hey, dude. I said, guess what? That's truth. That's a good idea. And I said, this is where I got to be the preacher man. I said, you know what you're describing? That's actually God's idea. He actually put it in his commands. You're talking about keeping a Sabbath and having good pace. And so I got to preach back to the security man. I don't know what God's going to do with it. But anyway, I'm saying that to say, if a security guard for the Dave Matthews band understands pace and Sabbath. How much more so should the people of God understand like our priority matters? Are you with me today? Yes, yeah. And I keep saying there's a lot on the line. I was just reading, this isn't even my sermon. You guys are just getting freebie right now. But I was just reading through the bill uh, that's being proposed. Actually, it's the curriculum that's gonna be implemented in California. Governor Newsom, probably not, I'm probably not yet on Facebook anymore, but that's okay. But Governor Newsom has just put all this into the schools and some of the ideology and some of the things It's not like it could possibly happen this year. It's happening. And if you read through it, you're like, I cannot believe this is the indoctrination that's happening in public school. I'm going to be careful when I say this, because I want everybody in this room and those watching online to know that I'm in very much support of our public schools and our teachers. And we do things to support them and be there for them, because I do believe that's the call and the assignment of the church. But I am also under the belief that in 10 years, we might not even call public, public schools public schools. You might as well call them government schools with government agendas, because the things that are going to be taught in there aren't going to be anything that is aligned with the Bible. Are you with me today? That's why we can't fall in a slump and become lukewarm because then we give up those territories. Back to California. You read that and you sit in this room and you go, please, that's just stuff that's happening in crazy California. None of that stuff would happen in in Michigan. Can I tell you something? With the current leadership structure that we have in Michigan, we're just basically California junior. And if the church doesn't find its place and get out of its slump and take its territory, we're gonna be finding ourselves in the same kind of place. You don't believe me? Go on your little Google. And look up the bill that's currently in place right now. I believe it's called HR4477. You go look that up right now. It's currently about to be passed in Michigan. It would make it a a finable, a punishable offense for me to get up here in public and read Genesis that says God created man and woman. I would get hate speech for saying that in front of people. This is in Michigan, friends. So when we get up here and say, hey, we can't get in a slump. Hey, we can't get into like a a lukewarmness. We can't fall into a thing. It's because there's a lot on the line. Are you with me today? Now, the scripture says this, and this is where I find my hope. A lot of pastors get up and preach that the scripture says in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. And I believe that's already happened. By the millions, we saw the millennial generation. They grew up in church, and they went to college, and they graduated, and they all fall away from God, and they fall away from the things that that church was doing wrong, and there was a whole list of things church were doing wrong. But what preachers don't get up and preach is that there's going to be a great return. In these last days, there's going to be such a harvest. But what's the key? The scripture says we got to have the laborers there. What's a laborer? A laborer is somebody who's committed to the work of the field. We can't get in a summer slump. And I know you're, you're, I'm preaching to the choir today, right? Like you're in church in the summer and you're watching online. I know that you're committed, but I'm here to say there is a lot on the line. It's not a little catchphrase for me to get up and say, we can't get in a slump. We can't find lukewarmness because there's a lot on the line. Can I get amen today? Now let's start our sermon. (laughs) Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you and how you move and operate and lead us and guide us. And God, I pray that you speak to us so clearly, uh, Lord, not by words of man, but, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we preached on the power of sacrifice. We must never lose our sacrifice. God's called us and he's exampled for us a lifestyle of sacrificial giving, not just financially. We didn't even talk about that, but we talked about like giving our lives, taking up our cross, laying our lives down for his kingdom and for his work and for his purposes. And so today I want to continue in that vein. This isn't like intentionally part two, but it's going to be a little bit part two. And so last week was sacrifice matters. And today I want to talk about the above and beyond Christian. I believe God's called us to be the above and beyond type Christian. You know, God hasn't called you to status quo. God hasn't called you to just get by. God hasn't called us to be just good enough type people who, like the world says, hey, what's the least that I can do, but yet get the most reward? God's called us to be a people who show up on the scene and say, hey, what can I do here? And how can I go above and beyond? And how can I show the most? Are you with me today? I believe if we apply this scripture, especially young people in the room, if you can take this truth of being a person who says, hey, I'm not going to just do get by, I'm not going to just do good good enough, I'm going to do above and beyond. I believe if you apply this to your life, immediately you'll see results in your family, in your career, and in your marriage. I'm going to start it with one story. I'm going to set up this story for you, and then we're going to look at a couple examples. But we see in Scripture, Abraham, it's an Old Testament story. We see that Abraham, in his time, he's the wealthiest in all of Scripture. The Bible says that Abraham, not only is he the wealthiest person of that time, but it goes on to say he was very rich in cattle, silver, gold, precious stone. He's basically the the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos of his time. He's very wealthy. We also know that he has a son named Isaac. His, Isaac was a promised child for him, so he waited and believed and prayed for this son named Isaac. He has this son named Isaac. We know that um, it was a miracle because his mom gave birth to Isaac, and she was in her 90s. We know that Isaac, or, uh, Abraham uh, was over 100 at the time of Isaac's birth, so it's a precious son to him. It's a very meaningful relationship. And so uh, there's a time and there's a tradition of this time that it was the duty of the parents, to select the bride for their son. So he's very well known. He's very rich. He has all these things going for him. And so it's a very important decision for him to select the bride of his son. Now, sometimes I read the scripture and I say, but we ought to get back to Bible times, picking out the spouses for our kids. You know, I, I see some of the boys that come to this church talking to my kids and I'm like, oh, no way you ain't getting, I know your dad, you ain't gonna be, you know. And then I see some of us, oh yeah, your mom's great. You, okay, you can but I got my eyes on all you young people. So he says, uh, he says, okay, you know, this is an important task. And so he says, the scripture says that he goes and he finds his most trusted servant. His name's Eleazar. And he comes to him and he says, listen, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to send you with 10 camels. And these 10 camels are going to be loaded with gold, silver, rubies, diamonds, all of this precious treasure, all of these things. Because camels in Bible times were basically your modern day U-Haul if you were going to send a lot of stuff, if you had heavy cargo, you would have sent them by way of camels. And so Eleazar is chosen, the most trusted servant to go pick out a wife for Isaac, who he loves with great esteem. And so he sends him out. Scripture says that he goes for 500 miles with these cattle or with these camels across the desert. And the scripture says when Eleazar gets to this well, and he's feeling the pressure of making sure he gets this decision right. It was, the, it was the biggest task he's ever been given from Abraham. And so he's at this well and he's saying to God, the scripture says in the NIV that he's praying a prayer in his heart. He says, God, the one who I'm to choose, make it clear and make it obvious, the woman who I'm to choose is to be someone who doesn't just offer me a drink of water at the well, but my camels also. What's interesting about the story is that it would have been average or status quo or it would have been common law of hospitality for Rebecca was her name for her to offer a drink of water to Eleazar? That would have been average. That would have been expected. That would have been status quo. But instead, eleazar's saying, I want to find somebody who has the heart of going above and beyond. So we see in Genesis chapter 24, verse 46, it says, and then she hurried and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, drink I will give drink to your camels also. So I drank and she made the camels drink also. She went above and beyond. I thought about this. Rebecca did extra. Rebecca was extra. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're extra. You guys don't get it because there's too many old people in the room, but that's what young people say. They say, oh, you being extra. You're extra. Rebecca was extra here. God's called us to be people that are extra. Can I get amen today? So think about this. Think about this. Put yourself in this situation, Okay, Those camels came 500 miles across the desert. 500 miles across the desert. I don't know if you've ever been to John Ball Zoo, but I don't even like camels in the first place. They stink. They're ugly. They're not nice. You go up to the thing like, would you like a camel ride? And I'm like, not really. And the kids are like, please. And they're like, well, how much? They're like $3,000. I'm like, do you get to keep the camel? So you don't like, but now imagine a camel that's gone 500 miles across the desert. Imagine like the mood and the posture of these camels. The other thing about these camels is that they say that camels can hold up to 40 gallons of water each. So that's 400 gallons of water that Rebecca just offered to give to these camels. Think about this. If we break it down, if it was just five gallon buckets Okay, so, you know, you go in the garage and there's that Home Depot or that Lowe's bucket, that five gallon bucket. Uh, If you had that bucket and you filled it, that's a five gallon bucket. She would have had to bring 80 of those buckets to these camels. And if we just did an average pace of maybe three minutes back and forth from the well, it would have been about a three hour job for her to offer to water these camels also, which, again, was not anything that anyone would ever expect of her. Now, if we know, probably in her situation at this time of the day, probably just got her hair did, probably just got her makeup looking fresh, got her nails did. I imagine those nails wouldn't hold up, carrying all those buckets. But instead, she said, hey, I'm not going to count the circumstances. I'm not going to look at the, the leisures of life. I'm going to do what I feel like God has called me to do, and that's to go above and beyond. God revealed something to her. And she said, hey, I see that there's a need here. And I'm going to go above and beyond. She had no idea what was potentially attached to those camels. She didn't know her future was connected to that. She just saw a need and met the need. The problem is too many of us in church, we say, and she could have said this too, oh, those camels, they need water. Oh, Look at those camels. Geez, 500 miles. Those are some thirsty camels. And, but, and we all could have said what she could have said, which is, that's not my job. That's, nobody's expecting me to do that. That, that, that. I'm only called to do this part right here. That's not my job. She could have said, you know what you should do? Well, there's a great need over there. Somebody should call the church to go take care of that. I see the need. I see that there's something going on here, and somebody should do something about that. I'm call the pastor. He'll take care of that. Oh, well, why don't you send an email to the church and see if the staff will take care of that? Am I telling the truth today? She said, no, you know what I am? I'm an above and beyond. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do something that's above average. Are you with me today? Yeah. Too often in church, we think that God's going to change the world by just church services. We're all going to come in on Sunday morning, and we're going to do church inside these four walls, and we somehow think it's going to transform our community. No, you know what transforms communities? When people say, hey, I'm going to do something above and beyond, yeah. and I'm going to feed kids that are going hungry on the weekend, yeah. and I'm going to be a part of hand-to-hand. And I'm going to go above and beyond and I make sure they get their meals. And I'm going to deliver these meals when it's snowy in the middle of the winter. I'm going to come up here and pick up these meals and I'm going to bring them to the schools because I want to make sure kids know that this is a church that goes above and beyond. Above and beyond status quo. Well, what about kids hope? Kids hope, oh, we got these kids that need mentorship and they need people in their life that tell them that they care and that someone's paying attention to them. What is kids hope? Kids hope is, uh, is us watering the camels. It's saying, Hey, we're going above and beyond. We're just not doing status quo. Can I get an amen today? Jesus said that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. What were the Pharisees? Pharisees were the ultimate, keep the rules. They were the ultimate, just do the average, just do the minimum that's expected. Are you with me today? And Jesus says, Hey, do you, do you want to be a kingdom person? you want to be somebody who moves and advances in my kingdom? Be somebody who exceeds what just does the average. Are you with me today? I thought about our children's ministry. I'm so grateful for our children's ministry. Think about this. We have an opportunity to send our kids up into fun and clean and safe spaces where they can learn about God at their level. Where where men and women who've worked all week and raised kids all week and served in different places all week long, they say, hey, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'll make sure those kids up there get some water also. We have these environments because it's people who are saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do above and beyond. Can I get an amen today? The world says, I want minimum effort and maximum reward. The kingdom of God says, where can I do above and beyond? Nobody the, real, the reality is, is like God has wired you to desire more than average. God has wired us to be people who desire more than status quo. Do you know, you don't lay awake at night dreaming of being average. I'm just up here dreaming about everything being status quo. No, God put a desire in us for us to grow and believe. That's why God says we go from glory to glory, faith to faith. God is constantly wanting to grow us in him. Are you with me today? Jesus said it this way. If a man compels you to go one mile, go two. Why? Because he wants us to get this above and beyond mentality. We don't want to just see average and status quo, but we want to see God do more than enough. I'm so grateful for Noah. Think about Noah. What if Noah kept the average mediocre mentality? Noah's over here going like, hey, look at me. I got the most righteous family in the neighborhood. Look how righteous we are. We're so blessed. We got everything put together. Look at this family that I've raised. We're all so righteous. And God's call and assignment shows up on his life like, hey, I'm going to need you to build a boat because I'm going to send rain and I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah can say, well, you know what? Um, I'm not going to build a boat because I'm not really a boat guy. And uh, I'm certainly not a rain guy because we've never even seen rain. So you need to send that assignment to somebody else. And look, at, I got every excuse to just do whatever I want to do because I have a righteous family. He says, oh, no, hold on. God's called me to something. I need to go above and beyond. And begins to build the boat and believe God in the rain. And he goes above and beyond. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I thought about Moses. Think about Moses. Moses could have got to the Red Sea and said, oh, no. Man, you know what? I'm not much of a parting Red Sea kind of guy. I don't really have that. And so, you know, I can lead people and I can walk them through wildernesses, and do but parting seas, I guess this is where I stop. Instead, he had faith to believe that God could go above and beyond his situation. Are you with me? Yeah. David, we see is another example. Scripture says that David's dad says, hey, David, uh, your brothers are down and uh, they're down there and uh, they're, they're serving and, and they're down there with their, their troops. They're down there with their people. I'm gonna need you to rise early in the morning. And I'm going to need you to go down there and bring them some cheese and some bread and make sure they're taken care of. David was the first pizza delivery boy we see in the Bible. Get some cheese and some bread and go down there and bring it to him. And I said, make sure there's no pineapple on that crap. That's it. would be gross if you guys do that. And so he goes down there and the scripture says Goliath presents himself. It says, hey, I, I defy the armies of God. I'm against everything that you're for. And David doesn't go, well, shoot, I'm only a wild game hunter. I don't slay Goliath, darn it. Instead, David goes, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna sit back and make excuses. Instead, I'm gonna get in this battle. Why? Because it matters to the kingdom. Are you with me today? Aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't say, boy, you know what? Look how righteous, I'm, I'm sinless, I'm perfect. Boy, look at my batting record right here. I'm doing pretty awesome. There's no reason for me to go above and beyond and hang on a cross for you. I've already lived a perfect life. But instead, he said, you know what I'm gonna do? Above and beyond. Above and beyond. Though I am sinless and perfect, I will become sin so that we might receive salvation. The example of above and beyond. Can I get an amen today? So when we think about how we follow God, do we filter things based on our preference and how it fits in our average and what we can? uh, Let's just do that. And if we just do this, we can get away with this. Or do we filter things of like, God, how can I water somebody also? How can I give water somebody also? Pastor gets up here and says, come on, guys, we got to come to Dudes and Donuts and we got to have discussions and we got to build each other up and, and we got to come in and give a Saturday morning where we can connect and share and discuss at the table with one another. We got to come to these things. These really matter. He said, well, you know, I'm not much of a discuss at the table kind of guy. I'm not I'm not going to. OK, you might not be a discuss at the table kind of guy, but can you show up and water somebody also? Well, you know, it doesn't really kind of fit my thing. Well, can you come and go above and beyond and help somebody at your table? Women's study nights. We come to women's study. Well, you know, this women's study topic its not really my style. I don't really love the format. You know, I don't really get much out of that idea. Well, can you come and water somebody also? Can you give and arrange your time? And maybe it's for you to come to the well and draw water for somebody else that needs it. Are you with me? I thought about summer socials. Well, you know, I'm not much of a golfer or a beach volleyball player. Well, the pastor is talking about how it's important for us to be in community. Can we, can we arrange our schedules that we make sure we show up and do life together? It's good preaching, Josh. We're so glad to have you. <laughs> I got one more. And then you can be really mad at me. I'll get you all the way there. What about serving in church? Well, pastor, I work hard. 60 hours a week, I work, and I work, and we got kids, and I'm busy, and you're asking me to serve in the church, but I got all these other things going on. Is it possible that you can come in water also? Well, you know, I'm not called to ministry. I'm not called to ministry. Can you come and just water also? Can you greet someone at the front door? Can you serve up in kids, men? Can you, are you with me today? Above and beyond. I thought about it this way. That's why God says that one of his names, the names of God, the characteristics of God, and we're imitators of God, the names of God is El Shaddai, which is what? The God of more than enough. We serve The God who's above and beyond. Maybe for you at work tomorrow, it's, hey, not only am I going to do this task, not only am I going to do this task well at my job tomorrow, but I'm going to write a note to the boss. And I'm going to tell him how much I appreciate this job, how much I appreciate them. Could you imagine what your workplace would be if you went above and beyond something like that? Or maybe tomorrow in your day with your kids, it's not just, I need to survive the day. I just got to get to bedtime. These kids drive me crazy. I need to just make it to bedtime and then I can have some sanity. Maybe tomorrow. It's, hey, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to pull my kids aside and I'm going to invest in them and I'm going to speak over them and I'm going to make sure that this day ends with them knowing that God's got a plan for them and a purpose for them in every day instead of just, oh, we got to get to bedtime. Am I telling the truth today? Maybe in your marriage, maybe tomorrow in your marriage, you need to say, not only am I going to listen to my spouse, well, just that. How about just start with listening to your spouse? Let's just, I won't even put a second part on that. But what if we came into these scenarios where we said, hey, I'm not going to just do mediocre and the average and what's expected, but I'm going to go above and beyond because we serve above and beyond kind of God. Can I get amen? No one shows up to the counselor's office considering divorce. Sits down on the couch and goes, I've just had it. I am so sick of him walking around the house doing above and beyond. Just all the time he's doing all this stuff I don't ask him to do. If he does one more thing around here I don't ask him to do, I am packing his bags. But what if that's how we were? Hey, what can I do to serve? What can I do to water also? Can I get amen today? I'll close with this. When Rebecca was watering those camels, she had no idea that they were loaded with the riches of her future husband. Her destiny was connected to that disgusting task. That ugly situation in her life was actually a beautiful gateway to a very promising future. Many times in our life, it's the ugly situation that comes into our life, but it's actually the gateway to a beautiful future. Am I telling the truth? Two things that I pull out of this story that I wanna share today. One thing is this, Rebecca didn't despise the small things. It's just giving water to camels. Yeah, it was hard work. Took three hours of her day. But it was a task, a consistent thing, that she stayed consistent. Bucket after bucket, she went back and forth. I don't even know if it was five gallon, because the scripture said it was something she had over her shoulder. We don't know how long. I'm just estimating. But routinely, she was consistent. She was consistent. She was consistent in that small thing. That's why God says when you're faithful in the little, he can lead you into the greater. We see in this story no matter how ugly the situation is if you stay faithful God will open the greater. Keep praying that prayer over that teenager. Keep governing that house with the promises of God. Well, but it's ugly and it's not going anywhere and I'm exhausted and I'm breaking nails and I'm sweating my makeup off and my hair's It's probably what Re- Rebecca's thinking. But the spirit of God wants you to hear today and watch it online. Don't stop. No matter how small and how wasteful it feels. Why am I doing this? What's the point? I'm not even required to do this. Everybody else in my neighborhood isn't doing this. Everybody else in my neighborhood doesn't live like this. All the people of my age, they don't come to church as much. They don't believe this stuff. They don't serve. They don't give. They don't do all this kind of stuff. Why am I doing this kind of stuff? Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. It's the gateway to the blessing that God has for you and your family. Pray those prayers. Speak those promises until they come to pass. (laughs) Point number two that I pull from this is Rebecca wasn't just waiting around for the big moment. She had no idea what was attached to those camels. It wasn't like she was waiting for the big crusade to come to town. She wasn't waiting for like the big thing. She was faithful in such a simple moment. Too many times Christians are like, well, I'm waiting for the crusade. I'm waiting for the revival. I'm waiting for the big moment. I'm waiting for this big kind of thing. And God is saying, no, you be faithful in the thing that God puts in front of you. Can I get an amen today? So our philosophy and our heart's desire needs to be this. I'm going to be the one who goes above and beyond in my worship. I'm going to be the one who goes above and beyond in my prayer. I'm going to be the one who goes above and beyond in my Bible reading, and my evangelism, and how I connect with people. Let's be the people who go above and beyond. Are you with me today? It's sacrifice. It's what we said last week. Sacrifice. And the ultimate question is: Isn't He worthy of it anyway? Isn't He worthy of it all? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray for us? got in a room this size and with those that watch online, I know that there are a lot of challenging situations, but you've sent your word today that promises us that if we be the people who stay consistent, if we stay faithful, if we be the people who trust you as we go above and beyond God, we know that you're a rewarder of those who diligently, consistently seek you. So God, that I, I just ask that right now you do that as people have been faithful in the small. God, I pray that you bring them into the greater, into the bigger. Lord, I pray that you strengthen those who feel weary in their everyday routine and their consistency as they're staying dedicated and committed to even ugly situations. God, I thank you that you're strengthening them where they are. God, we don't want to be a people who fall into lukewarmness, but God, we always want to bring a sacrifice so that we can see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.